Welcome to the Learning with Lowell podcast. I am Lowell Thompson, and my lifelong love of learning saved my life. A few years ago, I was in and out of the ER and ICU with no end in sight due to, at the time, a mysterious illness. I read medical journals, talked to scientists and researchers, and learned how to develop a good treatment plan, all of which put me on the path to becoming healthy, which I am now. I have met the team responsible for creating the drug that saved my life. And now I'm taking my experiences and love of learning and translating them into interviews with experts, CEOs, and scientists in order to achieve three goals in every episode. To have fun and interesting conversations that are enjoyable to listen to, to learn what these people are developing and creating, to hear what their tactics, strategies, tools, books, and resources they use to accomplish what they were doing, so that you can learn, apply, and see what else is out there and enrich your life with every episode. Before we get started, I want to draw attention to a crowdfunding campaign that I'm going to be starting. I've been doing this podcast for so many years, and I know a lot of you have been enjoying my content asking for ways you can give back and help out. In the show notes, you're going to see a link, and if you sign up, if you share it with your friends, you'll get a chance, even if you don't partake in the crowdfunding campaign, to win what I'm, I'm making. And what I'm making is an advanced modern hive that'll make it so bees can live and thrive, beekeepers and bee researchers can be connected. You can know what's going on in your hive 24 seven. So it's easier, there's less confusion and much, much, much more, but I don't want to get into that now. And you can see that by going to monoliths.kickoffpages.com. That's M-O-N-O-L-Y-T-H-S.kickoffpages.com and see more about it. Thanks for coming and let's learn about who's our guest today. Today's guest is Matthias Vale. He's the CEO of Beeflow, who's working on an ingenious way to improve beekeeping and the pollinating services in general. So we're going to get into specifically what he's working on, but a little like cliff note of it real quick is he has found a way to optimize the pollination for each type of plant in each area. So there's not too many bees or too few bees, but the right amount of bees pollinating each individual one through his technology, through his uh, experiments and research. That's what he's developed. He has tons of customers. He has a lot of experience. He has a lot of passion. And in this episode, you're going to see that passion. You see what he's working on. And then he's going to ask for some help. You know, like he's going to say, like some things he's working on, they love help with it. some books he, he loves. And, uh, you know, this will be all the last three questions I always ask people. And so without further ado, I just want to point out that he is the CEO of Beeflow. He was a partner at Bullmetrics, a former marketing director at Rodati.com. And he has a bachelor's degree in business administration from the University of San Andreas. So he's so he's from South America, which is really awesome to see him go from South America to California and just like light it up. And so let's learn more about Matias. Yeah. So one thing I definitely want to touch on, and normally I like to get to know you and let people hear your passion. But I think since in my background on doing research on you and on B-Flow, I saw so much confusion on what you build and like, and it, I think maybe in part people aren't reading everything that's out there. So I think maybe in audio format, maybe people can hear how passionate you are about what you're building and what you're building specifically and what's special about it. So like the question I have for you is, you know, what's the rocket science here that you think people are missing out on? And I will get into like hearing about your passion, but I think like since I kept seeing so many people not understanding, I'd like to start there and what's the rocket science? What's the special thing that gets you excited about what you're developing? Great question. Um, I think we are addressing at B-Flow one of the most important topics in plant biology, which is plant pollination or the way flowers reproduce. But uh, this is a topic that agriculture has ignored totally. So, you know, in the last 50 years, there has been a lot of innovation in the ag industry since green revolution. Innovations in fertilizers, pesticides, irrigation systems, and, and new plant genetics. However, when you think about pollination, what has been done in the last 50 years, you can't find anything, mm-hmm. almost. What you find is just farmers calling beekeepers, renting beehives, putting the bees in the field, waiting till the magic happens or till nature does the work, and then calling the beekeeper, paying them and taking the bees away, and that's all. And pollination is a much more complicated biological process that needs to be studied and, it, and that it's actually studied. Uh, there's a lot of research groups all over the world. Uh, academia has developed scientific knowledge, which is not getting into the ag industry, which is not getting into people's lives. And the thing that excites me the most is that by 
putting this scientific knowledge and technologies into the ag industry with what we call the next generation of pollination services is increasing yields substantially. And every time we do a new trial with a new crop, we are impressed on the impact that pollination can generate in food production. We seriously believe that bee pollination is the next generation solution of sustainable agriculture. And the reason is because we're just understanding better bees biology, how they interact with flowers. We know about plant sciences and plant biology, and we know what's the impact that increasing the amount of visits the flowers are getting will generate in fruit quantity and quality. So we've been doing trials, we increased between 20 to 90% yields on almonds, blueberries, kiwi fruit, and raspberries. And last trial was 60% increase on raspberry production, which was incredible. For, what, for us, was 20% was a completely success, but you know, 60% is disrupted. So that's what, what excites me the most. Well, it is exciting, especially like for, for people who are, you know, this is the first episode you're hearing in on, like bees account for basically one third of the food on your plate. It's the delicious stuff. You know, he's talking like blueberries, like all the things that you like to eat that are delicious, that are, you know, fruit in, in, in nature, that's what they're taking care of. So like when you talk about pollinating, like that's the, the, the big stuff that he, he's taking a huge, he's looking at a huge part of our food web. And uh, that 60%, like a big thing that I think people don't realize is like farmers are when they go to produce something they're like they can lose um they can lose a contract based on a couple of pounds not being there so having like 60 percent increase really you know safeguards that farmer's future ensures that they can do more production take care of their family and take care of the community and that and then i think i think and maybe you can correct me if, you're, if i'm wrong on this but i think one of the biggest things about the united states that people don't realize is that farmers farmers i think for every one farmer they feed everyone in america plus 250 people in the world so like just because of how effective we are. So imagine like in these areas that you're hitting, if, they're, if you're hitting 20 to 60%, you know, improvement, that's an improvement of 26% off of 250 additional, you know, people that would just, and with all the, you know, the, the food insecurity in the world, like that's a huge, like, it's just like, cannot understate enough, a huge difference that's going to make a difference between someone who has food and who doesn't have food. And so I just really just want to like emphasize that so people understand how big of a deal you were talking about. Like you did a good job. I just like wanted to give some context because that is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I cannot agree more, you know. And what people don't know usually is that, you know, when, when you go to a, to a grocery store and you, you see a strawberry, which is perfect, uh, to get that strawberry, they, they picked that strawberry and put, you, put it in the shelf. But there are a lot of strawberries which were mal which had malformation, which 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 is, the shape was not perfect. The same happens with small blueberries versus large blueberries, small apples which had sometimes weird forms, uh, which are not commercialized because of bad pollination. So pollination is also something that can help reduce food waste substantially. There's a lot of fruit that is being discarded in the, in the farms. And the reason it is discarded is because they didn't achieve the, the size or the perfect size we humans want to buy. So if we can improve pollination, we, we, we can not only increase yields, but also increase yields by reducing malformation in the fruit, which is caused mainly with lack of pollination. So there, there's several benefits of, uh, on, on when you talk about pollination and its effects in food production. Oh, that's fascinating. I, I, had, I had no idea about that. The, um, I, I'm curious, uh, sometimes people, when I'm interviewing these, in these startups, are people are like in the comment section, or, like they write me in, they really want to know like how soon will they see the impact in the, the environment? Are you going to be, are you still in like the, the beta testing phase or are you, you know, um, into the like you have customers are going to help them out um right now and then like this is how you're going to scale in the next couple of months like where are you in the the phase of like people being touched by what you're what you're working on we are commercializing now okay Sorry. um so farmers are calling us asking us to check what's going on with their pollination and help us improve their pollination because what bflow is doing 
is basically changing a paradigm regarding how pollination has been thought in the last decades. Farmers didn't know that pollination can be improved. And the reason they didn't know that pollination can be improved is because farmers usually don't know how to measure pollination. They just walk through the field and they see a lot of bees flying out there. And they say, oh, we need to put X amount of beehives per acre. Like almonds, they say, okay, we need two, 2.5 beehives per acre. Blueberries, they say, oh, we need between three and five beehives per acre. But they don't measure how pollination is going. And because they don't measure what's going on in between the interaction between bees and flowers, they don't know if they can improve it. So what we are proving, actually, is that pollination can be measured. So if you can measure how pollination is going, and not by just checking the quality of the beehives, which farmers usually do, or some of them usually do, uh, it's measuring what's going on in the plants, how much pollen is being delivered to the plants, which is actually what pollination is about. Because you can have a really, really good beehive in your field, but if your bees are going out of your field and going to the maple trees that are surrounding your blueberry field, that, that is meaning that there's inefficiency there, that the bees are not pollinating your blueberries and they're going out there. So we are in, in the phase where, where we don't have a challenge on sales, fortunately now. We, we do have a challenge on operating all the, all the services we're delivering to, to large companies which are interested in addressing a topic called pollination, which hasn't been addressed before. How are you measuring like which plants are going to and, and, and what amounts, like what type of things do you have in place in the, like a farm so that you can measure stuff like that? Sure, there's there several ways to measure it. Uh, of course, there's, there are some trade secrets that we mm -hmm. do have, but what I can share with you is that, uh, if you know how many visits the flowers are getting per hour, you can estimate how much pollen is being delivered and what's the fruit size that that flower will develop. So we basically walk through the field and select group of flowers. We count for a period of time, for a period of time how many visits we see there. And then we have what we call the B visitation frequency, which is a measurement of how many visits the flower gets per hour. And we've done research to understand how many visits a flower requires to produce a fruit of X size. And that's a math model that we built for each crop and variety. So because we know how many visits, we can understand if we are below optimal levels or we are above optimal levels and what farmers do not know if that is that if you add a lot of beehives per acre you can even produce a bad effect on your crop because too many visits in a flower can damage the styles of the flowers and can produce malformation in the fruit so there is there is a perfect spot for the flowers and the flowers are viable for different period of time depending on each crop so understanding that is as well as important and measuring as measuring how many visits the, the flowers are getting. It sounds like you would just take like a, a massive amount of stress off these farmers' shoulders, like this idea, like um, they're going to be saving money by, you know, not going too high and then they're not going to go too low. So they're going to have the right amount. That just, I can just imagine how like um, when you're interacting with these people and they see the effects in their, in their farms, like how like they're probably a lot less stressed out because like it's much more of a, a numbers thing. And I think there's like a, that great Peter, I, don't, I think it's Peter Drucker who says like, if it's, if you, if it's numbered, it can be managed. So like you like put numbers to things that for 50 years, people didn't think you could put numbers to. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, you, you, you know, when I first talked to several farmers, and it currently happens, it's happening less, <laughs> but it happened to us when I went to a farmer and tell them what we do. And they said, but Matthias, you know, like, there's a lot of bees out here. Like, please come, walk, let's walk the field. Like, there's a lot of bees here. I, I have a great pollination because I have X amount of pounds per acre, which is, compared to average, a very good number. But when I told them, do you measure 
it like there's a number you get out of it and they said no so i told them okay if you don't measure pollination how do you know if you if, if you can improve it or not uh, what's for example your fruit set which is a basic question in the specialty crop for me and farmers don't know what's their fruit set the fruit set is the percentage of flowers per tree producing mm -hmm. fruits let's say in the almonds the average could be like 25%, but in blueberries it can go to up to 80%. But farmers don't know what's the fruit set of each plot. So if you don't know, if you don't measure that, which is to me basic, you don't know if you can have more flowers being pollinated by bees and increase the quantity, which would be the percentage of flowers producing fruits. So because there's a lack of numbers and Nobody came and told them, hey, you need to measure this and you can do something after measuring this because you could measure it, but you do not, you, maybe you, you cannot deal with it because you consider, okay, these are nature. I cannot manage them in a way where I can change their behavior. Uh, so that's where we, where we bring the solutions to, to the problem. We measure it and we change and we make the corrections in order to improve the yields of the farmers by solving some inefficiency that we found that were core for 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 plant reproduction do you have like a, a then do you have like a number in terms of like how many farmers you want to help before you've like met your first vision like when you first were starting like the vision for what you wanted to do in terms of impact in the community like are you do you have is that like a set number and if, if so like i'm curious like how far you are to like meeting like the, that like day one vision you had hmm. um I don't think it's a number mm -hmm. I have in mind. Uh, of course, as, as many as we can, I think is the, is the answer. Mm -hmm. But it's not a number of, 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 I think, people or farmers. I think it's a matter of, of pounds uh, of fruits produced. Or, for example, we are working with Driscoll's. Driscoll's is the largest berry grower in the world. And producing strawberries, blueberries, raspberries, blackberries. And for us, capturing the attention of a company as Driscoll's and having them willing to work with us is actually something that we couldn't imagine a couple of years ago. We haven't thought that the largest berry company in the world will be interested in, in applying scientific knowledge and technologies into, into bee pollination with us does it do you ever like take a second i don't know there's like i'm thinking of um he was a car manufacturer who was he uh isaacson uh lee iacocca there you go i i knew there's an i in there lee iacocca he would have like a, a time of the week where he would like cut off and like no one could contact him and he would like reflect on his week he kind of like imagine the future and like things he was working on do you ever like take time like that for yourself and just think like if you couldn't imagine the success you have today, like imagining what would it be like in two years, like just being like blown away at like what you've been able to accomplish so far and just thinking like if we can do this, like what can we do next? Uh, it's hard. <laughs> um, it, it's hard to take time and think. Yeah. Um, I'm very passionate about what I do every day, but I'm trying to get into that disconnection to think and uh, think wider and more out of the box. But yeah, I'm, 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 I'm impressed on how building teams of people which are aligned on the same shared purpose and uh, how disruptive that could be. And I'm very proud of the team, uh, we built because we couldn't get everything we did without passionate people who is willing to change the world as well as I do. Uh, providing agriculture with a new solution, which has environment in one of our number one priorities, because we believe that healthier bees in the world can pollinate better and produce more food. So I think, yeah, when I think about 
two years before, I think that one of the main reasons we, we got into where we are now is because of the great team that we, we built and how hard everybody is working to change the world in a positive way and addressing a topic which has been totally forgotten by agriculture. And so, so yeah, I try to, it's hard, but, but I say that, that the team was one of the main reasons why we got into what, where we are now. The, speaking of the team, I, I, I get a lot of uh, feedback from people on these interviews. And one of the things that, you know, really surprises people and they're, that are going about their daily lives, that they're in the like first or second job, and they're trying to figure out what they want to do with their life, is they're always surprised by how small of a team it takes to make an impact. And so I'm curious, like how big of your, was your team? I think it was like two to five, but I don't want to like answer for you. And then how did you guys find each other? Like, how did you, you know, cause you could have had like, you know, you probably had like a number of people you could have picked from and like to work with, but like you, you settled down on the number you had. And so I'm curious, like what, what's the number and how did you guys find each other? And um, any insight on how people listen in can find people like that as well and make the change that they like to see. Hmm. So we are, we, we do have an office in Argentina and we have an office in LA. In Argentina, we have four full-time people working for us um, and our team. And then in the, in the US, we are seven. So I think the last time we talked, <laughs> we were five in total in the company. So we're growing faster. We're taking a lot of decisions, taking a bit of risk. Uh, sometimes entrepreneurs need to take to grow fast and try to change the world. Um, so it's, I, I, I get seriously about interviews and getting to know people which is aligned on the values I want my company to have. And the company's values are being shaped by every people that is part of my company. Um, Everyone has their own personalities and their unique skills, their unique strengths and weaknesses or opportunities of improvement. And we believe that, for example, transparency is one of our core values. Um, and we believe that if we are all aligned and we all know everything um, that pushes the limits of, of a lot of things, that pushes the limits of what we can give and how productive we can be. And also building long-term relationships, like besides work, uh, making friends of each other and enjoying life and coming each day to the office and not feeling that we're getting just a salary, but that we're working to try to change the world. And mm -hmm. that's something different. When you have a purpose really strong and defined, uh, that's making people very motivated because you see the results and if you do not work hard and you do not make decisions and you do not take risks sometimes things won't change so I think it's a combination of paying a lot of attention on organizational culture and the values and the purpose and the mission of your company and also spending a lot of time doing right interviews, asking right questions, uh, and trying to see if you find the person that maybe they don't have the perfect resume and, and dozens of years of experience, but maybe they're young, they're passionate, and they have a huge potential, and, and we love them too. We, we love to have those guys uh, in, in our team as well so yeah and, and we we're we're a weird company as well i'm trying to hire people from all over the world and so for example we have we have a team of course from argentina then we have american people then we have um uh, women that recently graduated from uc davis she's from tanzania then we have a guy from chile uh, so i think that combination of different values and different backgrounds and different perspectives of the world will make BFLOW's mission, which is global and trying to generate a global impact in this world, um, we've had more chances to to make that happen. And definitely. The, um, 
I'm curious, especially since I ask questions of people all the time, do you, do you, are there questions that you found that are effective at getting to the core of what a person is? Cause like, not like, I mean, that's kind of a big question, but like, I know that sometimes I've been in so many different interviews of help people like hire people. And when people are going into an interview, like they're putting on their best self, you know, like kind of like that first date type appearance or uh, just like, you know, uh, effort into it. And, um, I always like it when people are able to just like be themselves, even on like the first interview. So you can like, 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 it's almost like you're skipping to the third interview. You get to see who they are. But I'm curious, like, how do you get through to like that first layer of like, Hey, you know, like that first dateness and get to like, the, this is who they are on a day-to-day basis so that, you know, they're going to be a good fit for your team. Like how, what are some of the questions you ask if, if you have like standard ones? Hmm. Yeah, of course. Um, one one is it um what's what's their purpose in life uh, why they made the decisions they they made in life why they decided to study where they decided to study which career they decided to pursue and why they've chosen that i, I like i like the why question like why you do what you do why you think in that way why do you think you think in that way was it because where were you born? How your parents raised you? Um, the challenges you had in life, which were the challenges you had in life, and how you overcame them. What did you learn from life uh, or for, from those experiences? Which was the most frustrating event you had in life? What scares you in life, uh, and why? Uh, so, getting to the why of each answer um, during the interview lets me understand the way they think um, and the way they yeah maybe try to understand if they are a good fit for for our company Mm -hmm. and we want to be realistic when when we when we talk to them and very transparent and we tell them that um, the entrepreneurial or or the startup um, scene or working for a startup it, it can be cool but it can be hard at the same time uh, and we we want to show them that in the very first moment because there's people that, that do not fit with the, with the adrenaline that usually startups have and they cannot tolerate frustrations and it can be really frustrating to to work in a company as a startup because because it's it's really challenging but when when you succeed and with the decision you you you've made uh you have a, a huge impact in in company's success, uh, so it can be really rewarding uh, as well. So I, I like being really transparent and, and trying to understand the reasons of of the questions. Uh, sorry, of the answers of, of my questions to to the candidates. Mm-hmm. I like those questions as well. I'm I'm, I'm going to steal one in a minute, but um, the <laughs> the definitely I want to hear more about your why. But do you have any like like um like rituals or um processes for interviews that you've you've experienced in your life that you're like i you don't want to do yourself as a company like in your company like you just think that um you know like asking people like what are their strengths or weaknesses i think is a pretty stupid question but like are there things like that that you think uh, maybe not the most effective way to get at like the heart of a person and that you wouldn't that that are not a part of like your process <laughs> Um, I think I, I do a pretty straightforward process, mm-hmm. um, which is just basic, in, basic talking and having a good conversation. I think you it, like trying to identify if that person can have a good potential in your company. It's, it's a muscle you, you develop just by talking to a lot of people and then finding common patterns uh, on their behavior or other answers so and, and sometimes it, it's a bet you you need to do and and you'll see while you ask them to join your company if while working with you they accomplish what they said that they could accomplish or they work the way you thought they were going to work and sometimes you make mistakes uh, and you hire the wrong people and, and it, it happens but you need to be aware uh, when there's a toxic person in your team that is not letting you move as fast as, as you can uh, and try to get rid of that person because if not, 
it's gonna damage you and the rest of the team and the the culture by itself. So I think paying attention in general to 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 a team in a company, especially if you want to pursue like big missions of of trying to change the world and change different industries. It's it's very very important, especially in this world where where people like just move from jobs like they stay two years and they jump into a new job and they change these new generations which i i'm included because i'm 28 years old and and i have my friends jump in between companies and, and they don't they don't stay attached to to any of those and maybe that's because the company do not communicate that well what's the purpose of what they do why they do every day what they do basically and mm-hmm. and i think that people is is our generation is looking for more meaningful works uh, and uh, yeah I, I don't i don't i don't think i have a special sauce it's just a muscle that you train by talking to a lot of candidates and mm-hmm. and trying new things <laughs> it makes sense the um just a, a touch on the idea that you're expanding. Do you want to uh, share like what, if you're looking for people right now so that, because this, this episode will go up pretty quick. So if you're like looking for different positions in different areas, you can like, you can say so. And then maybe someone listening can, um, can like yeah. send an email. I don't know. Catch you on LinkedIn we're, or we're, we're always looking for great people. We're our, our recruiting is, 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 is going to be on always because we want to meet great people always uh, and if we like them we're going to hire them we want mm-hmm. to build the best team in the world in this topic and it's hard because it, there's not that many people with background in pollination mostly the people that could could have background are researchers so on one side we are very interested in, in building a relationship with researchers which backgrounds are related to bees health and bee pollination crop pollination ecology pollination ecology and then, of course, we're interested in agronomists or biologists, but maybe they didn't have any experience on pollination, but they're willing to learn uh, skills and, and acquire knowledge regarding this, this topic. Um, so we are looking for agronomists to join our, our operations team, which we actually kind of consult and growers on which decisions to make on, on pollination. Mm-hmm. And we're also hiring beekeepers, uh, always. We're, we're willing to know beekeepers, willing to jump into a company that will try to transform the way farmers have managed pollination uh, until now. And yeah, and we're looking for a lot of people, um, researchers, agronomists, biologists, um yeah mo- most of them should have the, that that career mm-hmm. and background excellent the um then i am curious to learn uh why so i'm, I'm gonna like t- steal your thing and ask you why did you choose this like is there an aspect mm-hmm. were you like affected by food security as a, a when you were younger or like mm-hmm. what, what brought you down on this this line of uh development for yourself of meaning mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question because that's I have a weird background. Uh, so I got into building Bflow because I am a second-time entrepreneur. I have a business background. I started business administration. I worked in marketing before, um, and I I was looking to do something else. You know, before um, building Bflow, we were trying to make a copy of TrueCar, which is a car selling company, which is public in, in the US. And we were trying to replicate that in Latin America. But I found that, that selling cars wasn't, wasn't that passionate to me. I was the marketing director of that company. And we, it was 2015 and there was a, a big economic and political crisis in Brazil where we were trying to build a company with other Argentinians. So we pivoted, we had to fire, fortunately, almost 20 people in one weekend. And, and I started thinking about, okay, this is really hard. Like to, to make a company succeed is extremely hard. 
but I'm passionate about building things from scratch. But it's so hard and we're just trying to, if we succeed, we're going to sell more cars to this world. So I'm passionate about this. So in that time where, where crisis was affecting me and I was very sad of, of, of this uh, pivot and firing people, were, that I thought, okay, I want to do something different. Like I want to build a company again because I, I'm, a, I'm passionate about entrepreneurship and how entrepreneurship can, on one side, generate jobs, build companies where people is happy um, working at it, and also transform industries and add value and generate economic impact or social impact or environmental impact. But I want to do something different. So that search, I met a guy called Matthias Peyden, who has been doing kind of mapping the the most important research groups in Argentina, uh, working with biotechnology on different aspects of biotechnology, not only agriculture but or food, but also with health or materials uh, or energy. So I was introduced by him to scientists. Um, I, I didn't know any scientists before. Right? I didn't have any friend who was a scientist or any family member who was a scientist. And I was impressed by meeting with scientists, how passionate they were of what of the topic they were studying and how detailed and small and niche was sometimes the were sometimes the topics that they were working hard to understand so i was impressed on that and i and i found in those meetings one of my partners whose name is pedro who was working trying to understand why bees were dying in the world and trying to understand how the immune system was related to to those causes which are affecting bee population decreased. So yeah, and we started talking about bees in general. I didn't know that much about bees before. And this was almost four years ago. I just knew that bees were important in this world and that they produce honey, um, nothing more. So I asked him like, tell me more about the bees. And we talked about pollination. I told him, okay, pollination is, should be an important topic in agriculture. Uh, and he said, okay, let's bring Agustin, which studied biology with me. And then he went to do a PhD to, to Bariloche, which is a city in the Patagonia of Argentina. Uh, let's bring him in, into the conversation and let's, let's discuss these three of us. And let ask, let's ask him uh, what are his thoughts about pollination and agriculture. And he told us that, that farmers didn't know that much about pollination. So I started doing my research, meeting with farmers and agronomists and trying to understand how they were thinking about pollination and I found that they didn't know nothing almost. So there's where, where I saw an opportunity. And then I did my research and tried to understand how many companies were trying to address pollination and there were no companies. How many people were like trying to help bees and pollination? Yeah, there were researchers, but that knowledge wasn't getting into the ag industry. So there was, there was kind of a bridge broken in between ag agriculture and the academia. So there's where we saw the opportunity and I did my math as a, as a businessman and the market was pretty big because 70% of worldwide crops depend on bee pollination. So, so that's a lot. Um, yeah, that's, that's how I got into, into this and uh, trying to look for a new company or a new problem that if I could solve it or help solving it, uh, we could generate an impact in this world. That's awesome. The, I don't know if you can tell, but there's like a clock at the top of this meeting. Cause like there was three of us in this. And I'm like, I have like the cheap, cheap version of this. So like in two minutes, it's going to like cancel out, but then all you have to do is like recall in and then it'll reset. It's just okay. like, the, it's cause we went from like your desktop to your phone. And then there's three people in here just as like a heads up in like two okay, minutes. No so I'm going to ask you some like quickish questions for those, those bits. And then when you come back, I'll do my like uh, my last three questions I ask everyone, and then we'll be done. But um, since, since starting, have you um, have you become a beekeeper yourself? Like, have you like like picked up bees and like put them in your backyard or on, or on your balcony? Not yet. I didn't have time to do so. Um, but we we do have fifteen hundred beehives, and I've learned to manage them. I've learned 
I, I, I use the beekeeping suit. I know to manage them. And I know how to measure different things in colonies and which decisions to, to take. Because I, I understand that although I'm the CEO and I don't have bio, biology background and, or a PhD on bee pollination, I need to understand what's, what's going on there in order to, to sell it or in order to communicate what we do in the right way. So I do not have these on my own, but my company does, and I like to play with them and always <laughs> learn more uh, because bees are incredible insects where you can learn and it's infinite, like all the stuff you can learn from them. Uh, and there's a lot of questions that, that research hasn't addressed yet regarding different aspects of bees' behavior, how they communicate each other, how they behave, also several diseases that are affecting bees. Uh, how, and trying to, to understand those questions is really, really motivating to me. And I want to build a company that can help address those, those questions and develop scientific knowledge that could be used by all beekeepers in the world um, to help the bees uh, um, get stronger and healthier bees that can live longer and reduce the, this, this dramatic uh, situation where bee population is decreasing fast. R, and I'll do this like in order and then we'll go through them one by one, but what is a question you have that is unanswered? What do you need help with? And what are some good books, resources, or movies that you love to recommend? So to expand on the first one, uh, I always love to, like, you know, we spend the last 40 minutes talking about a problem that you have solved or in the process of solving in a big way. I'm curious, what are some questions or a question that profoundly affects you that you don't have the answer to? So like, I can give you like one that I think of sometimes, but if you have one that popped up in your head, we can just go with that. Uh, you, you, you can bring it to me. Uh, it's... You need time? Maybe uh, right. <laughs> okay. I'm concerned about bees diseases and trying to to develop more knowledge about there's a lot of questions that the world needs to understand better bees diseases and and because we, we can change farmers' mindset towards how they spray pesticides, which is actually what we're doing. Um and we but um there are some issues regarding bees diseases that, that humanity hasn't found the solutions yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think mine would be in a similar vein. I'm I'm really curious how like how we can tell health states from like you know like 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 right now like there's a lot of things monitoring us in our daily lives like our phones etc. I'm curious like if you were to look at humans like could we use the exact same data to have a better understanding of when people are having like uh, health issues and then like create strategies to like to interject on those and uh, make sure that they're healthy. So like in the bee world, like, could you put like, I know that people are putting sensors. That's something I'm working on as well. And um, yeah. beehives, like taking that and using the machine learning and like other algorithms to, to s- determine health states. I'm very curious about this because I know they're in humans, they're using Wi-Fi signals to better, better determine if people are having symptoms of Alzheimer's because it's monitoring them in a way yeah. that the person wouldn't even know that they're missing something. So like, that's something I'm very curious about. Cause it's like, I think you can, no one has done it, but like, I like, it's logical that you probably could. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. Diseases. Same thing. Like we need a, we get clinical collapse disorder. We need an answer for that. It, it'd help if we, you know, would stop pulling funding on the research on that every year. But, um, so the next question I have for you is, uh, people like, you know, at, at this point, I think people like you enough to want to help you out. What is something that you could use help with? Like, it could be anything, like, be ridiculous about it. Like, what's something that people listening in that you'd love their help with? And it can be anything. It could be personally. It could be with your startup. Um, I think that um, we need to understand better where the food we eat comes from. And if we understand what's going on with, for example, bees and pesticides, uh, and us as humanity claim farmers that they need to be more aware about when they spray, if there are bees pollinating their fields, um, 
that would be great because if as humanity we put pressure on that i'm sure we can change um and make bees have a better life and that's that's something that we're working really strong uh, at Beeflow because because we have a lot of data and we can measure how pollination is going before and after a crop is being sprayed. Uh, farmers are changing their mindset towards how and when they spray. And that's because ultimately in a world that is has capitalism as as, as the main start, standard of economy, uh, people think about money. So when we show them how much money they could lose if they spray while bees are working, because they kill bees, so there are less pollination. So less pollination means less fruit or smaller fruit and less pounds per acre. So that's less money for them. That's, that's changing slowly their mindset. And I would love to have it going faster but it's hard. It's it's changing a paradigm and putting the bees in the role they should ever be, but unfortunately they are not, uh, and showing and educating people that bees are responsible for one third of the food we eat. So if we do not care about them, it's going to be challenging for next generations. Mm-hmm. So I think whenever people talk about like these big problems, sometimes there's this like, um, I don't know, like fear or like shock. There's like fight or flight. Then there's like the, the type where it's like, what do you do when you don't know if either one's the right option? And so like the big example I always like to give people is that like, there's the Montreal protocol that we like as a planet we put into place in the eighties to fix the ozone holes that were going on. Cause the CFCs that were released in the atmosphere yeah. and in 20 years, like it's actually started to heal because we, as a planet, work together to block CF, uh, the, the, this, these aerosols to get in the atmosphere to break down the ozone layer. We stopped it, and they're, they're actively healing and getting better every year because they're working together. What would be the concrete thing? Is, it like, is there an article that you'd point people to to like start sharing it around? Is there like a concrete thing people could do to help make what you would like to have happen happen, like the, hmm. you know, the blocking of uh, aerosols? I think I, I can't say that we... we, we we need to stop pesticides. That's, to me, it's bullshit. We <laughs> cannot stop pesticides. We have pests while we are producing fruit. And if we do not have pesticides, we probably would have much more hunger in this, in this world. So pests are, pesticides are useful for food production. But the interaction between pesticides and the environment is what scares me the most. You know, the world is having a huge crisis of insects population decreasing. And not only bees, there is a lot of insects that are disappearing and are getting to extinct. And one of the reasons also, it is the lack of environment and the the replacement of natural habitats for monoculture. So one of the things that I think society could do to overcome this insects crisis that the world is facing is growing gardens with flowers, building nests where these insects could grow, help them rebuild the ecosystems. And yeah, do that because that can be very impactful. There's a lot of, for example, wild bee species that are getting extinct because of the replacement of nat- natural, natural habitats, sorry, for monoculture and agriculture. And we need agriculture, that's true, but we need to be aware of how we're damaging the environment. And we need those flowers and those houses for the insects to grow and develop their populations. So I think if everybody does that, this, we should probably all help uh, to overcome this global insects crisis that the world is facing. Mm-hmm. And there's a, uh, we had a, a person on here from pollinator.org. And on that website, you can actually type in your zip code and see what type of flowers and plants that would be perfectly matched for your local ecology to help out pollinators. So type out, like check out pollinators.org. You know, they even have like a little package you can get to throw in your backyard and help out the pollinators. Like it's, it's that simple. You just have to like type it in. So like, let's make Matias's 
ask like much, you know, like go do it. It's I've done it. I've everyone should do it. So um, <laughs> the last question I have for you is uh, I know it's like a serious one, but the, so if you're a book person, I'm curious, what was the last book you gifted? If you're a movie goer type person, what's a movie that you always try to get people to watch? If you really love music, what's a song that you'd love us all to listen to together? Um, I'm, I'm interested <laughs> to, uh, to get us a, a little, a little sample of what you're, you're passionate about in a non uh, beekeeper realm. Um, I'm passionate about entrepreneurship and how entrepreneurs can change the world if they work hard mm-hmm. to do so and how entrepreneurship can also generate employment and build companies where people grow personally and professionally. So I usually read books about that. Uh, I highly recommend a, a recent book called Principles. Mm, that's good. Written by Ray Dalio, which is a, a well-known investor. Uh, also, I like a book called The Hard Things About Hard Things, uh, which is also a good reflection on how hard is it to build a company and all the frustrations you have on a daily basis. Uh, then I like reading books about uh, organizational culture. Um, there's a book called that I haven't read yet, the, the culture handbook i think is it, is it it's 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 getting popular that this book in the in the startup ecosystem um, then i read a book called get a grip which talks about different methodologies you can apply to your company in order to have good communication objectives uh, clear um, in order to 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 maximize the output of every day in your company and that's a, re- a, a good that I really like get a grip um, um, yeah and music I'm a big fan of Coldplay and U2 um, and yeah <laughs> those are maybe my suggestions and that was Matthias Vale of Bflow check out his website bflow.co bflow spelled normally .co and check out what he's working on support it send him an email send him a tweet do what you need to do to let him know that you love what he's working on and if you don't like it let him know too because i'm sure you'd love that feedback if there's someone that you want to have me interview let me know i will add them there's still a little room and i'm finishing it up but you should get a lot of bee content this month they talk about bee week we're getting a bee month additionally remember to check out in the show notes the link to the website for the crowdfunding campaign that I'm going to be running soon. If you've liked the the podcast, if you've liked the episode, if you want to help out, check the link, sign up, share it with your friends, and every every person, every time you get someone to sign up, any of this type of information is another chance that you're going to win. One of the things that I'm making, and what I'm making is basically a modern beehive. I'm talking stainless steel, aerogel insulation, sensors, uh, data analytics, all that stuff, easily accessible 24-7, And that's going to be the crowdfunding campaign. But don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. We can be found on Twitter at LowellThisYear, Facebook, and on the website, learningwithlowell.com. Also sign up for the newsletter where you can hear amazing content every Monday, new episodes every Tuesday, and new blog posts around every Thursday. Remember to share and tell your friends. Please and thank you.